This episode of the Stock Market Movers podcast is brought to you by Calamero St. Helliers. Calamero was established in 1992, and if you remember one thing from this podcast, it's that Calamero makes great pizza and pasta. Come into the store and make sure you get the podcast discount. It is Friday, the 25th of October, 2019. My name is Jeremy Medlin, and welcome to episode 63 of the Stock Market Movers podcast. Just a quick reminder that nothing that I say today should be considered financial advice, and if you're looking for financial advice, I recommend that you speak to an authorised financial advisor. Now, it's been an interesting week on the NZX and the stock markets in general, but however bad your week has been, it hasn't been as bad as the chap that left his blowtorch on at the Sky City Convention Centre if I was him, I think I'd be literally on the next plane to the Himalayas. Um, so obviously, two stocks that come to mind when you're talking about the Sky City Convention Centre. The first is obviously Sky City SKC on the NZX, and the second is Fletcher Building FBU on the NZX. Both shares fell at first during the week on the news. From a valuation perspective, it makes sense that Sky City shares have dropped. Um, if you or, or the market was factoring any any future profitability from the revenues from the convention centre would generate, then factoring in this has been delayed. So obviously that affects value. The extent to which it affects value is obviously the question. And actually considering how dramatic the fire has been, the, sh- the share price impact on Sky City in my opinion has been quite sedate. So the market at least is not really getting it, its knickers in a twist over it. I imagine... If if this is all the impact of the on the share price, if you look back in six months' time, you probably won't be able to pick where it is on the chart if you didn't know when it was. So from a Fletcher building perspective, I, I guess the risk is that there is some sort of liability for their building project burning down. <laughs> and again, I, I do not see this. I'm no insurance expert and certainly no lawyer, but I'd be floored if Fletcher were not insured against negligence from one of their contractors in, in some way. So... The market appears to agree with this view because, like Sky City, not too much has really happened to the share price. I, I talked to a friend of mine who's a lawyer during the week about this, and this is just anecdotal evidence, so nothing to really read into, but he suggested that if he was involved in the case, and my understanding is lawyers from both parties have been called to attention, um, if he was on, on the case, his his strategy would be to bring everyone to the table to negotiate some sort of settlement because the the risk of being assigned liability for something like this is just so large that no one will want to take the risk. That So he, he thinks it'll probably be settled behind closed doors, um, but we'll see what happens. One thing I will say before moving on is that we're still early days in the story. Media reporting on this sort of thing at, at this stage of a story like this is often not accurate, so it'll be interesting to see how things develop once investigations begin. Um, so I, I haven't actually read too much about it, so I should disclaim what I've been saying based on that, but <laughs> all my views have been developed by looking out of my office in Grafton and looking at the smoke and taking a look at it on the drive home. So, But it is it is obviously a, a big deal. It is a shame as well when you think about it, and this is obviously going to be a pretty good facility for New Zealanders as well. So, And it's a marquee project, so to see something like this essentially ruined is, is a shame. Okay, moving on. So the normally reliable electricity market had a bit of a shake-up during the week with the share prices of some of the generators crashing. I think, for example, I saw that Contact Energy was down 10% at one stage. So and that was on a single day, which is a significant move for stocks that are not normally that volatile. 
But then again, these stocks this year, they've not been behaving like boring utilities. The stock charts have looked more like the newest, hottest thing, and they've just been moving up to the right. So I think this is because of the market's expectations of low interest rates. These stocks have been made more attractive due to low interest rates to investors that are looking for dividend yield. My personal opinion is that this has caused the valuation of these companies to, how do I say, become stretched to a level where it'll be difficult for investors to obtain an attractive return unless interest rates continue to fall. That's just my opinion. Um, so there also could have been a bit of profit taking mentality in the price action from investors during the week. So the catalyst for the drop was an announcement by Meridian Energy that Rio Tinto, which is the major shareholder in New Zealand Aluminium Smelters Limited, that they'll be launching a strategic review of the TY Point Aluminium Smelter down in the Deep South. So the review is said to consider all possible outcomes for the plant, even closure. So the smelter is a, a pretty big deal as it comprises 14% of all energy demand in New Zealand and employs a 1,000 people, so it's a bit of a political issue as well. What it looks like to me is that this could be a bit of a negotiation ploy by Rio Tinto to achieve lower electricity costs. So basically put this out there and then have the uproar about it and, and force sort of Meridian's hands. But Meridian, for their part, have said that you already get lower electricity costs and, and we're not really negotiating. So that my guess as to why the share prices are falling is because if the plant were to shut down, and even if that were to happen, by the way, I, I don't think it would happen overnight. I know nothing about aluminium smelters, but I imagine closing them is not like turning off a switch. Anyway, I could be wrong about that though. If the plant were to close, then it would mean a lot of extra electricity supply that would hit the market. So what happens in Economics 101 when there's extra supply? of course prices fall. So my guess is that's why the share prices of these stocks have fallen. It might suggest how much of a big deal this would be if it did close. The stock of Contact Energy, for example, has fallen more on this small two-paragraph announcement from Meridian of a potential closure. So not that I think probably is a small chance of happening. Then the Sky City stocked it after its marquee convention centre is pretty much burning to the ground. So it suggests to me that if the smelter were to close, then it would have huge ramifications for the electricity market in New Zealand, which is quite, which is quite interesting. So as an aside, I remember people telling me when I was younger that the smelter contributed 25% to New Zealand's electricity demand. I'm not sure if this number was correct or not, but it would make sense that it has decreased to 14% if the rest of New Zealand's energy consumption has increased and the smelter has either increased at a lower rate or the demand has, or the output from it has stayed the same. So quite an interesting stat that if it is true. There were quite a lot of other company updates during the week. Chances are if you're an NZX investor and you own a few different companies that you're starting to receive some dividends either in the post or in the bank, which is always nice. Interesting that I saw that MetLife Care trades on the NZX under the ticker code MET during the week also announced an on-market share buyback of up to 30 million shares, which is about 3% of the shares outstanding. Buybacks are not that common in New Zealand, say, as they are in the United States. But you're starting to see a few more of them at the moment, which is interesting. So the reason for this, I think there's two reasons. Often the, the stocks that trade on the NZX naturally aren't as liquid, so it's harder to do an on-market buyback. 
if you don't have liquidity to buy back your stock in a, in a, in a material way. This, the main reason, however, is because of the imputation credits that we receive on dividends. It, makes, it means that paying out dividends is very tax efficient and shareholder friendly for investors. It's not the same in the United States where a company is taxed on its profits and then you're also, you are also taxed on your dividends as an investor. So this is why many companies in the US prefer to return capital to shareholders through buybacks rather than dividends. It makes sense when you think about it. You pay tax on your profits, but you'd not pay tax on your buybacks. So it's logical. So buybacks are not well understood in New Zealand in general, I would have to say. So, But I love it when companies that I own do them. The way I see it is if I'm happy to buy or own a stock, then I'm happy for a company to be buying in the stock and reducing its share count. This increases earnings per share and my percentage ownership of the company. However, it only makes sense if the company is undervalued. And this is what MetLife Care believes. They said in the announcement that the buyback is an efficient use of capital while the share price remains significantly below the intrinsic value of the business. So what management is saying there is that they believe the company is undervalued and that they should be buying it. I wonder if the opposite would be true if the stock became overvalued, like if they wanted to raise capital for a project or something, would they go, we feel our stock is overvalued intrinsically, so it is a great time to issue more to raise money for this investment. <laughs> Let's face it, they probably wouldn't. As an aside, I get the feeling that MetLife Care Management feels that the stock is undervalued. Um, I saw that they, they tend to think this on the basis of NTA rather than return on assets, but that's okay. I saw a presentation by the company once and they referred on numerous occasions to NTA being in the discount to Romans. I know also the release from the release that the stock has now has a listing on Australia, which I missed, the ticker code's MEQ. I'm not sure if it trades or anything like that, but no doubt this is also an intent to attract a greater number of investors. Anyway, if the stock is undervalued, then this is a great use of capital. The reasons why, for example, if, if your earnings were flat and you reduced the share count by 10%, then your earnings would in, per share would increase by 10% and you haven't had to do anything creative, you've just had to reduce your share count. Or even better, if, if your shares were $2 and the stock was trading at $1, then buying back stock makes even more sense. Where it doesn't really make sense is if the stock is overvalued or if you can get a better return on your capital elsewhere. So for example, if, if buying back shares increase the company's earnings per share by 1%, but spending the money on growth delivered you a 100% return, I, I like extreme examples, <laughs> that it makes sense to be spending on growth. So it's a capital allocation decision at the end of the day, and if you can't decide, then you should just pay dividends, but that's another story. But in, in general, I, lo I love to see it, especially in stocks that I own. If I own a stock and, and I'm happy to hold it, then normally I'm pretty comfortable with the companies buying it and, and, and cancelling the stock. Anyway... A shorter episode this week, we're running out of time, so on it, we won't end on buybacks. I'll end the show with one line on some of the other meaningful updates during the week. Scott Technologies, they trade on the NZX under the ticker code SCT. They released their annual update. Not sure how the market has justified the valuation for the stock for such a long period of time. AWF, they released interim update. The stock is cheap, very, very cheap. But I find it annoying that they keep talking up the value of the dividend reinvestment plan without demonstrating the costs. So the cost in this case, obviously, is that they have to issue more shares. Michael Hill, this is a continuation from the update the other day. I think they released the presentations and everything like that. Same store sales were up 11-odd percent for the quarter, which has sent the stock skyrocketing, which sounds like a lot except when you compare it to the fact that 
the same store sales were down 11% in the comparable quarter last year, which at that time sent the stock plummeting. So it's sort of returned to where we were before. And just seeing this one, one of my favourite companies, Booking.com, bought a 4.7% holding of Circo, which isn't enough to make it a big deal for Booking, which has generated something like $2 billion of free cash flow so far this year. But it might be a, a, a big deal for Circo, which has obviously got a sort of like Coca, Coca, um, not, not Coca-Cola, sorry, McDonald's buying into, into Plexure recently. It's, it's nice to have a, I guess, a big fat elephant as a, in the industry as a shareholder. And... The other one um, uh, that, that stuck out, maybe a continuation from last week's episode, Sky has, has re-signed the netball um, and, until the mid-2020s. Um, it, it seems like they're making a point to, to make an announcement about every sporting update for them at the moment. So it's, uh, yes, it's, 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 I think, expect them to keep on doing that every time every time they've signed some sporting rights. And just one more comment, not about the NZX, um, it's about that WeWork IPO or failed IPO in the United States. And it's just a, a word of warning about IPO. So I heard on another podcast during the week that SoftBank, it sounds like they're buying more of the company an $8 billion valuation. This is the same SoftBank, SoftBank that was attempting to um, list... We work at a forty something billion dollar valuation. So, IPOs you, you've really got to treat them as if they were private transactions, and with scepticism of the people that are, I guess, pushing them. Um, and I think the exception to this is if it's a government IPO or, or a council IPO, like the Port of Napier or, or that sort of thing. But I, you've, you've really got to be tread carefully with the IPOs and, and think what the motivations are for listing the IPO. So just keep that one in mind. Anyway, many thanks again for listening to the podcast. Sorry, it's a shorter episode than normal today. As a reminder, that nothing that I said today should be considered financial advice. If you're looking to find out more about the podcast, go to www.stockmarketmovers.co.nz or find us and give it a like by searching on Facebook. Please also share it with your friends. If you want to email me, it is jeremy at stockmarketmovers.co.nz. Once again, my name is Jeremy Medlin, and this has been episode 63 of the Stock Market Movers podcast for Friday, the 25th of October, 2019. We'll see you all again next week.